This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Well, hello there, it's Jeremy Myers, and you are listening to the One Verse Podcast. The following episode is an excerpt taken from one of the lessons in my online course, The Gospel Dictionary. In case you aren't aware of it, I have an online discipleship group, and one of the main things I do in this discipleship group is teach online courses. I think there's about 10 courses available now for people in the discipleship group, and one of them, one of these courses, is The Gospel Dictionary. The Gospel Dictionary looks at 52 keywords of the gospel— When it's all said and done, there might be a few additional words as well, and contains, I don't know, so far, about 100 hours of teaching, and I'm only about halfway through. So um, uh, this this podcast episode is an excerpt from one, just one of the lessons in that dictionary course. Now, if you want to take that course, you have to be part of the discipleship group, and you can do that by going to redeeminggod.com slash join. Learn uh, more there and uh, join up there. So I, I look forward to to seeing you there inside the discipleship group and uh, taking this course. Uh, this course will eventually become a book, probably several books, uh, but that's several years away from the time of me recording this. I got to finish the course itself and then edit and process. And so anyway, uh, if, if you're anxious though to read everything and get access to everything, the only way to do that is inside the Discipleship Group, okay? They have PDF downloads, MP3 downloads, and you can uh, interact with me there as well about the content of these lessons. So anyway, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really, really appreciate it, telling other people about it as well. That's how uh, word spreads about this. If you find the content of these podcasts helpful, Uh, and you're sharing it with others. Thank you so, so much. All right, with all of that in mind, let's get into the content of today's podcast study. All right, let's look at Matthew 12, 31 and 32. This, of course, is the passage on the unpardonable sin. I've written a whole book on this. It's one of the earliest books I've written, I think the second or third book I ever wrote, and it it, it really needs to be updated. Uh, I plan on doing that very soon, at least I hope to update it, because what I'm about to teach you about Matthew 12 and the unpardonable sin is not really in that book. I didn't fully understand the difference between charizomai forgiveness and aphasis forgiveness when I wrote that book on the unpardonable sin, so I need to add it in. And also, I want to include some discussions of Hebrews chapter 6 and some other passages that seem to imply that a person can commit a sin in which God will reject them, turn away from them. You know, you can lose, lose your eternal life, which you can't. All right, so anyway, um, let's talk a little about, about Matthew 12, 31 and 32. And the text, uh, Jesus says this, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age 
for the age to come. All right. Now, I, I, would, I do want to keep most of my comments brief here because I could talk about this for hours based on the content of my book, Why You Have Not Committed the Unforgivable Sin. Uh, the, the basic premise of that book is still true. That um, The bottom line truth is that if you think, if you are afraid that you have committed the unforgivable sin, that in and of itself is proof that you have not. All right. And if you want a defense of that idea, then uh, read my book, Why You Have Not Committed the Unforgivable Sin. All right. Um, and, and that basically is the general idea of the book. Uh, I, I, I summarize what you know, various views are, what people think the unforgivable sin is, and show why it is not that. And then I defend that view that, that you know, lots of people are terrified. I get emails every day all over the world, people who are terrified that they've committed the, the unpardonable sin. Uh, and the basic truth is that if you are terrified, if you are afraid of it, then that is proof that you haven't. And I'm not saying you need to be scared of it. You, well, you shouldn't because we've been freely forgiven and so on. Um, but uh, if you have, if a person has committed this sin, then they're no longer being com- convicted by the Holy Spirit. They no longer feel guilt or shame over what they've di- done. And so, therefore, because the Holy Spirit has left them, has stopped working on their heart to convict them. Well, and, and so a person who has committed the sin, it won't e- they won't even think about it. will not even be on their mind because they don't care. They have no conviction over it. And so um, that's the basic premise of the book. I'm not going to really much say anything else about that. I just want to talk about this word forgiveness in Matthew 12. Most discussions about the unforgivable sin, the unpardonable sin, focus on, you know, what the sin is, how it can be avoided, that sort of a thing. Now, the difficulty with this approach is that while Jesus does talk about speaking against the Holy Spirit, okay, he doesn't explicitly state what it means to speak against the Holy Spirit. I mean, what words need to be said to speak blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, all right? Uh, and do they need to be said out loud, or is it just a thought that runs through your head. Now, in the context, the religious leaders are accusing Jesus of casting out demons by Beelzebub. That's Matthew 12, 24. And uh, so some people assume that the sin of blasphemy against the Spirit, this unpardonable sin, is when someone attributes the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan. Right? And that's sort of also supported by the idea in, in, uh, in Mark 3, verses 28 to 30. Now, there's numerous problems with that view, not least of which is the fact that Jesus is clearly providing a warning to the Pharisees. Notice in the context, Jesus does not say the Pharisees have committed this sin. He's giving them a warning that they are about to. So whatever the, the speaking blaspheme against the Holy Spirit is, these Pharisees in this context have not yet committed it, right? Uh, Jesus is saying, if you continue down this path you are on, you might commit it. So that tells us right there that attributing the works of the Holy Spirit to the Satan to Satan are not is not the unpardonable sin is not the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, right? Um, because if it were, then uh, Jesus would have accused them of having done it, having, having, and he wouldn't have pled with them and begged with them and 
as he continues to do, to turn from their ways and accept him as the Messiah and believe in him. All right? So, uh, and besides that, (laughs) this whole idea of attributing the works of the Holy Spirit to Satan has caused lots of people to not question or not challenge some of these bizarre activities that happen in some churches that are out there. Oh, I, I, you know, I can't, this looks crazy, this looks unbiblical, this, this is leading to chaos and division and strife in the body of Christ, but I can't condemn this as not being of the Holy Spirit because I don't want to commit the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, but if that's the case, then there's no way we could ever follow the instruction in 1 John 4, 1 to test the spirits. How are we supposed to test the spirits to see whether or not they're from God if we live in fear of possibly accidentally attributing something to Satan, the accuser, instead of to the Holy Spirit, right? So there's a whole problem with this view that is very prominent out there that uh, the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is attributing something to Satan that actually came from the Holy Spirit. Numerous problems with that view. We must test the spirits, and if something is not right, does not line up with Scripture, is causing uh, chaos and division in the body of Christ, then we need to call it out for what it is, as not being from the Holy Spirit. Right? So we can do that boldly and clearly, and have no fear of committing the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit uh, in that case. Now, so what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Again, uh, the truth of the matter is the Bible nowhere states explicitly what it is, right? And and that's a good thing. I'm so glad that we don't have any clear explanation of what it is or how to commit it. Why? (laughs) Because as we know, human nature, and God knows this, you see a sign that says, do not walk on the grass. What happens? That causes people to walk on the grass right? Wet paint don't touch. What do people do? They stick their finger out to touch it. And so if the Bible clearly stated, don't say these words because that would be blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, human nature, it would cause people to say those words. Same even more. Some people in a fit of anger or jealousy or hatred because life doesn't turn out that way or people are just going to test God or whatever, they would say the words, whatever they are. So it is a good thing that we do not know precisely what sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is. Okay? So, um, now, having said that, we do know a few things about the sin, whatever it is. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, one of the tasks of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. This is what Jesus teaches in John 16. Okay? So, if a person says something vile or mean— to the Holy Spirit, or about the Holy Spirit, and then they feel guilty or ashamed about what they said, you know what that means? That is clear evidence that the Holy Spirit is still at work in their lives. The Holy Spirit has not abandoned them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. So if you feel convicted about something you did or said, especially if it was toward or about the Holy Spirit, then that's a good thing because that means the Holy Spirit is still active and present in your life and is convicting you. So therefore, you can say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for not abandoning me. (laughs) I see that you are convicting me of this sin. Thank you for the forgiveness of God, the charizomai, the free forgiveness of God. Now let me take some steps to achieve the ephesus forgiveness, release from whatever it is caused me to say and do that things, okay? 
So the, 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 the truth then from this is that if you are feeling convicted about something you said or did about the Holy Spirit or toward the Holy Spirit, that is the clear sign that you have not committed the unforgivable sin because the Holy Spirit is still active and present in your life, has not left you alone and abandoned you. All right, now, again, all of that I talk in my book on the unforgivable sin. Now, one of the other keys that are really going to help us understand what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 12 is to understand the meaning of the word forgiveness. All right? We talked, uh, I summarized earlier, there were these two forms of forgiveness, charizomai and aphasis. Charizomai is the free forgiveness of God. No conditions attached whatsoever. And then, of course, the other type of forgiveness is aphasis forgiveness, and it means release, to be released from the bondage or addiction or enslavement to the damaging and destructive consequences of sin in our lives. Guess which type is used here? It is not charizomai, all right? It is aphasis forgiveness. This means that even those who commit the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven them, right? In this age or the age of time. You know what that means? It means that even this sin, whatever it is, even it is under the charizomai forgiveness of God. Every person, past, present, and future, who has ever committed this sin, whatever it is, is still forgiven the charizomai forgiveness of God. They've still been forgiven by God, even for this sin, whatever it is. Whatever this sin is, God has freely forgiven it of all people from eternity past because God's charizomai forgiveness is based on his grace and covers all sin of all people throughout all time, including the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Nowhere in this context or any other teaching about the unpardonable sin do we read that this is the one sin which God will never freely forgive by his grace, the charizomai forgiveness. Okay? Everywhere it is a faces forgiveness that is in view, which tells us, I cannot emphasize this enough, that even the sin of blasphemy, even the so-called unforgivable sin, it too is and has been forgiven, charizomai forgiven, by God from all eternity, okay? So when this truth is recognized, it really helps liberate and make sense about what Jesus is teaching in this passage, okay? It's basically saying they will not receive a faces forgiveness. They will never be released from the damaging and destructive consequences of this sin in their lives, okay? So uh, God has already freely forgiven them, charizomai, but they will not receive a faces forgiveness. Now, why not? That's the, that's the important question here. Why not? Why are those people who commit this sin never able to find a release from it? Okay, the answer is in remembering what a faces is. Faces forgiveness is the type of forgiveness that is, applies to this life only. And it has conditions attached to it. And if a person does not meet those conditions, then they are not released from it, All right? Uh, so, so God wants people who commit this sin to be released from it. 
Obviously, God wants all people to be released, to find liberation, freedom from all of the sins that they are enslaved to, that is, has them in bondage. But for whatever reason, these people will not ever find release from this sin. Why? Because they are unable, or maybe they refuse, to meet the conditions that will allow them to be released from it. All right? Um, multiple texts in the Bible explain that the release of a phasis, a phasis forgiveness, begins when each person owns up to what they did. They admit, they agree, they confess, yeah, God, I messed up here. Okay? They repent of it. That is, they turn from the actions or attitudes or behaviors that caused them to fall into that sin themselves. Okay? And, and often they must forgive themselves for this sin. Recognize that they themselves messed up and they're going to do better. They're going to change. Okay? And those sorts of actions, those sorts of attitudes allow them to find release. Finding release, a phasis from sin, is based on understanding that we've been freely forgiven by God, charizomai, but then also taking steps to be released, find freedom from that sin. Now, this sin itself, sin of blasphemy, this so-called unforgivable sin, okay? Such a person probably never recognizes that they've been freely forgiven by God. Okay? No, that can't be true. And they also maybe don't recognize that what they did was sinful, was damaging to the Holy Spirit, was hurtful to the Holy Spirit. As a result, they never confess. They never agree that what they said was wrong. They never take steps to change the actions or the attitudes in their life that led to that sin. Okay? Which means they will never find release from it. It probably would be better to call this passage not the passage about the unforgivable sin, but the unreleasable sin. Why? Because the person never takes the steps required to release themselves from it. Okay? All sins are forgiven by God, charizomai forgiveness. But if a person does not forgive and release themselves because they do not accept the truths, the biblical truths from God about forgiveness and the steps required to find release, then of course there's nothing more God can do. God is not going to force people to accept the truths and take the steps required to find their release. Right? So, this sin is called blasphemy against the Holy Spirit because it is refusing to believe what the Holy Spirit says to us about our sin. Instead, such a person believes the lies of Satan. Holy Spirit says to each and every person, You've been freely forgiven by God. Charizomai forgiveness of all your sins, past, present, and future. That's the Holy Spirit teaches us. Now, the Holy Spirit then says, Now, because you've been freely forgiven, charizomai forgiveness of God, you need to live in light of that and be released from your enslavement, your addiction, your bondage to sin. How? Well, confess. Agree with God. Repent. Change your actions, your behaviors. Right? Maybe some restitution is needed. Something. All right? But instead of believing that, the people who commit this sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, they instead believe the lies of the devil, the accuser. And the accuser tells us, oh, God cannot forgive you for that sin. Oh, you're too evil of a person to receive love and grace and forgiveness from God. Those are the lies of the accuser. So a person who commits this sin, 
They are basically telling the Holy Spirit, shut up. I don't want to believe what you are saying. Instead, I am going to listen to the lies of the devil. I am going to listen to the accusations of Satan. When the Holy Spirit says, you are forgiven, this person puts up their hands, talk to the hand. I am going to believe the lie that says, you are condemned. Right? As long as a person believes Satan over the Spirit, they will remain under condemnation. As long as a person believes the lies of condemnation, they will live unforgiven lives, unreleased lives. They will continue to be enslaved and in addiction and bondage to the deceptions of the devil. They will never experience the release from the bondage of sin, shame, and guilt in their lives. Okay? So what is the unpardonable, unforgivable, unreleasable sin, this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? To put it simply, it is uh, unforgiveness directed at ourselves because we refuse, the person refuses to believe the truths of the Holy Spirit and instead believes the truths from Satan. All right? We are unforgiven. A person is unforgiven, unreleased, because they don't forgive themselves. All right? Uh, So the unforgivable sin is the... Uh, the sin which we deny and reject what God has forgiven, has revealed to us about forgiveness. And so we continue to beat ourselves up and suffer under shame and fear and guilt rather than experience the truths, the truth of of release that we have received from Jesus Christ, uh, from God, as revealed by the Holy Spirit. All right? So the point of Jesus in Matthew 12, 31 to 32 is you can't hang on to unforgiveness without paying a price. The only sin you are not released from is the sin you don't accept God's release from, right? The state of refusing to accept the Spirit's testimony, the Spirit's truths about forgiveness, is only going to lead you deeper into bondage and slavery to sin. Jesus reveals here in Matthew 12 that God has freely forgiven all people of all their sins throughout all time. But if we reject this truth and instead believe the lie of the accuser, instead deny that we have been forgiven, then look, we're going to continue to live in a state of unforgiveness as if we were eternally condemned. So how do we make sure we've never, we will never commit the sin? Look, accept the testimony of the Holy Spirit. You have been forgiven. You are freed. <laughs> Admit, recognize it, believe this truth. Only then will you be released from your sin, your shame, your guilt, and your fear and you will find true life in the Spirit that God wants and desires for you. That is the truth from Matthew 12 about the unpardonable sin. And again, uh, I, I will be updating and revising my book, but if you're curious, you can get a copy of it now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, so on. Um, it is called Why You Have Not Committed the Unforgivable Sin. All right, now let's move on. So that's going to do it for today's podcast study. I hope you found this study helpful and beneficial in not only understanding a key word about the gospel, related to the gospel in Scripture, uh, but also help bringing you greater and deeper understanding of a particular Bible verse uh, from Scripture. And of course, it's not just about gaining knowledge of the Scripture, but also applying it to our lives so that we can 
live in light of the gospel with God and with others, and also bringing this light to the world. Just as a reminder, this podcast study was an excerpt from my Gospel Dictionary online course. This course looks at 52 keywords of the gospel and hundreds and hundreds of Bible passages about the, the gospel. And uh, it is available. The only way to take this course is by joining my online discipleship group. You can learn more and join by visiting redeeminggod.com slash join. You not only get access to this online course, the Gospel Dictionary, but all of my other courses as well. We're thousands of dollars. There's hundreds of hours of teaching, and I'm adding more all the time. So anyway, if you would like to learn in this format through audio, uh, you can join there. There's PDF downloads, book downloads, free eBooks, even get access to my private Facebook group. You can contact me by email and so many other benefits as well. Uh, Just by joining up, I'm going to send you a free audio book on prayer. So anyway, to learn more and join me there, just go to redeeminggod.com slash join. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode today, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode as well. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Bye.